0: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to discuss the Kyle Rittenhouse case and the devastating consequences of abandoning truth, which is the subtitle to my book, Not a Daycare. When you no longer have truth with a capital T, you're going to have chaos in our culture and our courts. I'm Dr. Everett Piper this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. So today I'm going to discuss something that almost everybody else has already covered. I don't know if I'm covering the story in a different way than others, but hopefully I'm adding a little bit of commentary that will help you make sense out of this mess. You see, what we're witnessing right now is the loss of, of any objective standard in our courtrooms and in our culture. This is something that I have discussed and talked about over and over again on this show. How many times have you heard me talk about Richard Weaver's seminal work, Ideas Have Consequences? I've told you over and over again that he wrote that book in the late 1940s, and it was a reaction to the mess, to the chaos, to the Holocaust of World War II and Nazi Germany. In other words, we had been teaching terrible ideas for decades and we should not have been surprised by the terrible consequences of those ideas. There was a reason that Hitler behaved like he behaved. There was a reason that the Germans fell in lockstep behind this tyrant and this evil man. There was a reason that Joseph Goebbels was willing to be his minister of propaganda and lie to the German people over and over and over again until they all started parroting the same lie. There was a reason that trains chugged through the hills of the Black Forest, through village after village, towing boxcars behind them, full of not cattle and not any other produce, but full of people, Jews, on their way to Dachau and Auschwitz. There was a reason for the furnaces of Auschwitz. There was a reason for the other atrocities that took place within a handful of years in the Soviet Union, in um, Red China, in Pol Pot's Cambodia. And then a couple decades later, we see the same type of evil prevailing in other countries such as Venezuela and Cuba and North Korea. There was a reason. A reason that 100 million people died at the hands of communism under all of these regimes. And the reason is this. They abandoned truth and they elevated political power and opinions. And they gave that power to these despots that promised them comfort Oh, we'll make sure that there's redistribution of the wealth. We'll make sure that there's a chicken in every pot. We'll make sure that we take from the rich and give to the poor. Just give us the power and we'll make sure that you're comfortable and you're safe. There's a reason for all of this evil that has taken place that I've just rattled off. And the reason is very, very simple. We stepped away. From the objective standards of God, and we elevated our own, and we suffered the consequences for it. Let's take a break. When I get back, I'm going to discuss the Kyle Rittenhouse case and how we're doing the exact same thing in our courtrooms today. We're not paying attention, people. We've lost the measuring rod outside of those things being measured. If there is no truth, you're not going to have any justice. You're going to have tyranny. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Um, Most all of you are going to know this, but there are a lot of people out there that don't. I want to ask you a question. Hopefully it's a rhetorical question. Who were the victims of Kyle Rittenhouse? Who did he shoot, and who did he kill? Do you know? Were they... Hispanic? Were they Asian? Were they Native American? Were they black? Do you know? Now if you listen to all of the mainstream media, if you listen to the leaders of Black Lives Matter, if you listen to the threats, literal threats that are being uttered from the leader, from the leadership of these left-wing organizations, BLM, okay? MSNBC critical race theory proponents, people from the Democratic Party, if you listen to all of their vitriol, all of their hyperbole, all of their hype, all of their accusations, you would swear, wouldn't you, that Kyle Rittenhouse killed a minority? You would swear that he must have killed a black person, correct? I mean, if that's not the case, why in the world is Black Lives Matter preparing to riot, and actually threatening violence in the streets and further destruction and further mayhem and chaos if they don't get their way in this particular trial. Why? Well, do you know? Do you know the identities, the actual scientific factual identities of the three victims, of those three men who were shot, two of whom were killed by Kyle Rittenhouse? Do you know? Well, I'm going to go through it with you in case you don't already know this. The first person is Anthony Huber. Now, a convicted felon, his crimes were assault and battery, domestic abuse, false imprisonment, illegal possession of a weapon. He was engaged in a crime. The crime was assault and battery on 8 20 And the outcome of his crime is that he was shot and killed by the person he was victimizing. That person's name is Kyle Rittenhouse, who had the right to exercise self-defense, and he did. Now, it shouldn't matter what I'm going to say next. In fact, I even hesitate to say it, but for the sake of this program and the topic at hand, I have to. Do you know what Anthony Huber's race is? He's white. He's Caucasian. And frankly, he's as white as they come, very pale with brilliant red hair and a red beard. Anthony Huber, shot and killed in self-defense by Kyle Rittenhouse. The second person, Gage Paul Grosskreutz. Now, again, a convicted felon. His crimes were burglary, probation violation, illegal weapons possession. He, too, was engaged in a crime on eight hundred twenty six twenty. 20 His crime that he was engaged in at that time was assault with an illegal weapon. Now, why do I emphasize illegal? He was a criminal, and because of his criminal record, he didn't have the constitutional right to bear arms any longer. In other words, this was a man, a criminal, who was assaulting a citizen with an illegal weapon, and the citizen exercised his right of self-defense and shot Gage Paul Grosskreutz, didn't kill him, but neutralized him. Now, he's facing charges at this time, Gage Paul Grosskreutz, for for engaging in this assault with an illegal weapon upon Kyle Rittenhouse. Don't you have to ask yourself this obvious question. Why are they waiting until after the jury trial and the verdict for Rittenhouse to proceed with this case against Grosskreutz. Why? Why are they doing that? Do you think that maybe it's because it's as obvious as the nose on your face, it's as obvious as the fact that both of these first two people that I've mentioned are Caucasian, as white as they come, maybe the obvious point here is this, that if Grosskreutz is convicted of assault with an illegal weapon against Rittenhouse, then that would have a bearing on the outcome of the Rittenhouse case, wouldn't it? In other words, Rittenhouse would be found innocent because the other guy has just been convicted of assaulting him with intent to kill. Hmm. You haven't heard that much, have you? From the mainstream media, from the Biden White House, from the leaders of Black Lives Matter from the proponents of critical race theory. You haven't heard that much, have you? Well, let's go on to the third person involved in this case. His name is Joseph Rosenbaum. He was a felon, a sex offender, a level three sex offender, actually. In other words, he was engaged in assault, sexual assault upon minors, children. He's a pedophile. He is also guilty of failure to maintain a registered status of his sex offender record. He was engaged in a crime on 8 20 attempted assault and battery, the same crime that the other two guys were engaged in. Again, this is important to note. All three of these men were engaged in a crime, assault and battery, assault with an illegal weapon, and then attempted assault and battery in the case of Joseph Joseph Rosenbaum, the man I'm talking about right now. Now, he was killed by Kyle Rittenhouse, who exercised his right of self-defense because he was pursued by Joseph Rosenbaum. And he finally had to use his weapon, Kyle Rittenhouse had to use his weapon, to save his life. Now, again, I ask the question, what's the race of Joseph Rosenbaum? He's white. Again, why does they come? There's no confusion as to the race of these three men. But you haven't heard much about that, have you? And don't you have to ask yourself the question. Just five minutes ago, if you said all lives matter, you were accused of being a racist, insensitive, a bigot, you were accused of not caring about the plight of the African-American community if you said all lives matter. But now, all of a sudden, apparently all lives do matter because none of these guys are black. All of a sudden, the left seems to care about the lives of three men who aren't minorities. They're not Asian. They're not Hispanic. They're not Native. They are white. But you haven't heard that. Many people, a huge percentage of the American population paying attention to this case right now, think that Kyle Rittenhouse killed minorities and that he killed African Americans. And that's why Black Lives Matter and the critical race theory proponents and the Democrats are all up in arms about the potential outcome of this case. But why Why? Rittenhouse did not engage in conflict with anybody, anybody that was black. But yet you and many of your neighbors think he did. Do you know why? It's because they're lying to you. The media is giving you a false narrative. It's either a narrative of commission or one of omission. In other words, they've been either telling you, through various different innuendo and report that Rittenhouse engaged in violence against a minority, or they're guilty of a sin of commission by not even mentioning the facts, the truth, the empirical evidence that should be relevant in this case. This is not about white on black crime. This is not about defunding the police because the police were engaged in another shooting of a minority has nothing to do with any of that. It has nothing to do with George Floyd. It has nothing to do with any of these cases that we've been debating over the case of the last two, three, five, ten years. It has nothing to do, nothing to do with the socioeconomic conflict that the critical race theory proponents want to rub our nose in all of the time. Because... The socioeconomic conflict here isn't real. You have three white guys that were attacking Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse defended himself against three white guys. He shot three, all three of them and killed two of them in self-defense. But yet you've been led to believe that he pursued Rosenbaum when in fact it was the exact opposite. It was the exact opposite. Rosenbaum was pursuing him, chasing after him to the point where Rittenhouse finally had to turn around and defend himself when Rosenbaum was upon him. But you haven't heard this, and you haven't heard that the three victims of Rittenhouse's self-defense are white. Now, why does this all matter? It's because truth matters. Evidence matters. Facts matter. You cannot have a court case. You cannot have justice. You cannot enforce the law if you abandon all of the facts that are relevant in the case. If you say that it doesn't matter what the facts are, all that matters is my feelings. Then you're not going to have justice. In other words, it's a devastating consequence of abandoning truth. The reason that this case is even in the news is that our culture, the mainstream media, the academy, and the political establishment have all coalesced to degrade truth to such an extent that this is a circus. This is a circus and it's all fake, it's all fantasy. It has nothing to do with the agenda of BLM. They don't care. They don't care about this other than perhaps it's another issue that would allow them to pursue gun control and disarm the American people. That's all they care about. Or they really don't care about anything other than anarchy and disruption and chaos because it's out of that anarchy, disruption, and chaos that they can gain power and control. They don't care. The critical race theorists shouldn't care because there's nothing in play here that involves their favored victims, LGBTQIA, BLM, SJW, CRT. There's nothing in this because it is white-on-white conflict. It's criminals pursuing a citizen who is not a criminal and him turning around and defending himself. That's it. Those are the facts. And facts matter. Details matter. Truth matters. Ideas matter. Ideas always have consequences. Good ideas, good consequences. Bad ideas, bad consequences. Garbage in, garbage out. It's one of my favorite mantras. There's no such thing as a neutral idea. Value neutrality is a ruse. It's a lie. It doesn't work. It's vacuous. It's a vacuum. And there's one law of physics, and that is vacuums will always be filled. If you take something out, something else will replace it. The vacuum doesn't sustain itself. We have created such a vacuous culture, a value-neutral culture. That's synonymous with vacuous we've created created excuse me we have created a vacuum of values a vacuum of virtue and what we're sucking into that vacuum is vengeance and violence and vice this is dangerous you're not going to get justice if there is no judge with a capital j if there is no such thing as truth with a capital t And all you have when you enter the courtroom is a bunch of subjective little truths, opinions, politically motivated people who are grasping on to their power, their ring of power, their precious. And they don't care. They don't care about the details. They don't care about the facts. They don't care about the truth. Then they're not going to care about justice. And that's what you're seeing in this Rittenhouse case before your very eyes. C.S. Lewis talked about this very thing. He talked about this very thing some 80 years ago. Again, prophetic, prescient C.S. Lewis. He talked about the poison of subjectivism. And he said this Until modern times, no thinker of the first rank ever doubted that our judgments, and I'm emphasizing the word judgments here because what do you seek when you go to court? A judgment a judgment as to what is just. Okay, so I want you to listen to the words of C.S. Lewis in the context of the Rittenhouse case because it is a court case, it's a trial, and the point is a judgment, a righteous judgment, a just judgment, a judgment that is grounded in rationality, Not subjectivism, not opinions and feelings, but a judgment that is derived and grounded and anchored in facts. Let's go back to Lewis, and I'm going to start over and read this to you again. Until modern times, no thinker of the first rank ever doubted that our judgments of value were rational judgments or that what they discovered was objective. It was taken for granted that in temptation, passion was opposed not to some sentiment, but to reason. Thus Plato, thus Aristotle, thus Hooker, and Butler and Dr. Johnson. The modern view is very different, said C.S. Lewis. It does not believe that value judgments are really judgments at all. They are sentiments or complexes or attitudes produced in a community by the pressure of its environment and its traditions, and differing from one community to another. To say that a thing is good is merely to express our feeling about it, and our feeling about it is the feeling we have been socially conditioned to have. Do you hear what C.S. Lewis is saying? In our modern times, we have imbibed the poison of subjectivism and it has become all about our feelings and that our judgments are really judgments about feelings and sentiments or complexes or attitudes produced by our community, produced by society, that everything is just a construct. There's nothing that is objectively real. If you don't believe a female is a fact, if you don't believe in biology any longer, if you don't believe in the science of X and Y chromosomes, then you're not going to be able to go into a courtroom and believe that details matter and that the facts are the facts and that the judgment should be grounded in that objective reality. All you're going to have is a circus based on feelings. And political agendas. And that's what you're watching in the media's reaction, the Democrat reaction, the leftist reaction to the Rittenhouse case. Because they don't care who the victims are. They don't even want you to know that this is not grounded in race. There's nothing racial about the Rittenhouse case. But that's rational to say that. And they don't care about rationality. They don't care about reason. All they care about is the poison of subjectivism. And here's why. Because when they give the poison to the population, and when I say they, I'm talking about the oligarchs, the elites, the people that actually do know that this is poison, they don't believe in tolerance because they're intolerant. They don't believe in inclusion because they're very exclusive. They don't believe in the people because all they want is power. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. It's poison. It's the poison of subjectivism. And they're peddling this poison in our public schools, in our colleges, and in our universities. They're peddling this poison in our politics and in our public square. They're pouring these ideological carcinogens into the cultural cup. And they're begging us to drink of the cup to drink the poison because they know these carcinogens, these ideological carcinogens are going to give us cancer of heart, mind, and soul. And that ultimately we will rise up and demand to be cured of this disease that we've got as the result of consuming these terrible ideas. And they will come to our rescue. They will will wave their magic wand over the situation and make us feel safe and make us feel comfortable, and give us a little bit of pleasure. And everything will be taken care of for us. And we'll have an easy life, because Big Brother cares. And he'll continue to just pour more poison into the cultural cup. More and more subjectivism, less and less truth, details won't matter. It will all be about our feelings. We'll be living In a dream, no, not a dream, in a nightmare, because we've given over our freedom for the sake of this little mess of pottage, this thing that we call safety and security and comfort. Now, here's what C.S. Lewis says as the conclusion to his critique about the poison of subjectivism. He says this, Out of this apparently innocent idea comes the disease that will certainly end our species. And in my view, he says, damn our souls. If it is not crushed, the fatal superstition that men can create values, that a community can choose its ideology as men choose their clothes. I want to read that last paragraph to you again and think about, think about this in the context of justice, a court trial, the pursuit of truth, fair and righteous judgments. Think about this in terms of the subjective poison, the poison of subjectivism. And this ideological cancer of abandoning truth and elevating our feelings and our political agendas and our quest for power over and above what we used to trust as a blind lady justice. Just listening to the facts, not caring about the emotions, not caring about the color, not caring about somebody's class, not caring about anything other than the cold, hard facts of the case so that justice could be rendered. I want you to think about all of those things as I read this paragraph in conclusion again from C.S. Lewis on the poison of subjectivism. He says this, out of this apparently innocent idea comes the disease that will certainly end our species and in my view, damn our souls if it is not crushed. That fatal superstition that men can create values, that a community can choose its ideology as men choose their clothes. You cannot choose your values as you choose your clothes. It will damn our species and it will damn our souls and it will be the end of justice. We're watching the potential of this poison actually killing the American dream, American justice, the idea of liberty and justice for all. You're watching You're watching the poison of subjectivism before your very eyes in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.